0: Latter-day Contemplation is a podcast hosted by two Latter-day Saints who have found great value in experiencing God through walking a path of contemplation. The views expressed herein are our own.
1: Hello and welcome to Latter-day Contemplation. We're your hosts, Christopher Hurtado.
0: And Riley Risto.
1: Latter-day Contemplation started as an exploration of contemplative practices from many traditions to enhance our discipleship of Jesus Christ. We're by no means experts in the topics we discuss, but what we have is an openness to questions, a hunger to discover truth wherever we can find it, and a desire to share in the transformative life of inner peace. We love that you've joined us, and we hope that you find value in this community.
0: Hello and welcome back to Latter-day Contemplation. I'm Riley Risto.
1: And I'm Christopher Hurtado.
0: Today we're going to do an unconventional interview, not with a guest, but with our co-host, with my co-host, Christopher Hurtado. Who was just introduced. And the reason why we're doing that is because he has extensive experience with journaling and I have minimal experience with journaling. So we're going to treat this as kind of a cognate to what someone who has maybe minimal experience with meditation and someone who has a meditation practice, the same kind of thing they might go through is maybe what Christopher and I go through because I, like I said, minimal experience with journaling. But Christopher, you have a lot of experience with it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with just one easy, basic question to get us started. Why should people keep a journal? Why do you keep a journal?
1: That's a really good question. Before I answer it, I'd just like to say that when when you say I have a lot of experience, that is true, but it's only true recently. So it isn't a lot of experience gained over a lot of years. But it is a lot of experience gained over a lot of journaling in recent months, and it has been really helpful. It's been beneficial. And so that gets us back to the question of why do this? And my main reason for doing it is to get to know myself. It really is a contemplative practice. It's a, it's a practice of noticing what's going on with me, and, in, and not only in just noticing, but in, in probing and asking questions and delving deeper into what's going on with me.
0: It's interesting that you put it the way you just did when you said it's a process of getting to know myself. Um, if there's something that intrigues me about journaling, and very little does, because I don't just like to sit there and write things that come into my head or recount my day, I'd rather just live my day. But I understand that there is a benefit to it. But the reason why what you said was interesting to me is, you know, I, I, we kind of have come together in the past over Jordan Peterson. Well, he has a a psychological health. Um, platform called Know Thyself. And the the basis of it is primarily journaling and doing so in answer to questions. So he's got his set list of questions. And I, I mean, I've been through just a very basic part of it, just get it, just got started with it, but never really followed through, which I need to do. Um, but nevertheless, it's essentially a Q&A to yourself rather than just saying hey, I did this today, today I did that today. It's it's a different type of journaling and this is more akin to what you do, right?
1: Yeah, you know, on the one hand, I do have a one of my journals, I have a number of journals. One of them that, that I just answer questions. I got this idea from Michael Hyatt. He gave a template with some set questions, and I didn't really feel to modify them much. Actually, I had some ideas about modifying them and then he did too apparently. And so I just went and looked at what he did and he came up with some updated questions and I thought that they were an improvement. But that was the one I started with, the one that just answers questions. It's sort of more of an everyday answering of questions, not like this. I think the idea of, and maybe I'm wrong, I I think of Jordan Peterson's Writing Your Life, is it? Or there's an author who wrote a book, Writing Your Life, and Jordan Peterson's involved with him and there's this this other program that he has, right?
0: Yeah, it's called self-authoring. And self-authoring is essentially this, this form of journaling where you ask yourself these set questions and then you respond to them. And some of it is responding to or is uh, recounting, you know, feelings about certain things. And then other things are perhaps goal setting. So it's very much like a life improvement or achievement type platform. But nevertheless, it's, it's meant to help you become more focused and uh, direct in the things that you do with your life. And recognize the things that you'd like to change about yourself.
1: That one sounds more like life planning. Are they two different things then? What I'm mentioning and what you mentioned.
0: I, I'm. I guess we're going to get to the bottom of that, right? Because I'm going to find out a little more about what you do, and um, and I don't know a whole lot about what what he has put forth yet. I'm just mentioning it because that okay. initial quote where you said it's it's meant to help you get to know thyself. Well, that's literally the name of his program. Is of his website, is Know Thyself. So I just found that interesting.
1: Yeah, he may have two different programs, and it sounds like you're not sure either. Cool. So you
0: mentioned that journaling is a contemplative practice. How so?
1: It really is. So what I do is when I'm going through all these different journals, the first one especially, well, they all have their place in my contemplative practice. The first one is morning pages. And this idea comes from Julia Cameron from The Artist's Way. And the idea of the Morning Pages journal is you just sit down first thing in the morning and you just empty your head of whatever's on your mind. There are all these things going on in your head, what's typically called the monkey mind. Have you heard this before? Yeah. The monkey mind? Yes. Yeah, the, the one that needs to be sort of wrestled and put into a cage, you know. And so the paper ends up being something like that. It's a place where you can put that monkey mind on paper and, and get a grip on it. And so whatever's on your mind when you wake up in the morning, you can get that out of the way by putting it all down on paper. That's the first one. G-
0: give me an example of, of something that you might need to, you know, clear out, get out of the way that would be in the monkey mind.
1: You know, I'll just, I don't know whether I can invent something or or whether I'll be recalling, but I'll just, I'll start by inventing and see what happens. But, you know, just say you just wake up one morning, any typical morning, and who knows what do you have going on maybe you have self loathing maybe you have worries about bills maybe you have a, a particular task that you're concerned about or a project that's on your mind or you have all the all the the to use Shakespeare's words all the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to right there's just all this stuff going on in your life and there's this constant chatter because this monkey mind, it never stops. It's always, what about this? What about that? It's always this worst case scenario stuff, right? It's all your doubts and your worst case scenario possibilities, your what ifs. And so all of that to just get that and wrestle it onto the page clears the head.
0: It's interesting to me that that's a morning practice and not an evening practice because the way those things hit me, all the... Thousand worries of the day and all that stuff and all the anxiety causing, stressing elements that they're always packing up in the evening for me and keep me from going to sleep. That they they never hit me when I wake up. When I wake up, I'm fresh. There's almost nothing on my mind. I just have this singular focus to go eat breakfast and get dressed and you know get ready for the day. And so it's interesting that that would be a morning practice. Everyone's different, but for me that it wouldn't. There wouldn't be anything on my mind.
1: Yeah, I think it's very much uh, a good idea to take time in the evening, too. I have a different practice that I do in the evening. But yeah, that you could do this really any t- Well, you know, it's called morning pages. But the idea of just getting stuff off your mind onto paper is something that you can do at any time. For me, that's part of my GTD practice, Getting Things Done from David Allen, It's just the idea of getting th- stuff off of your mind and onto paper and into a system you can trust to make sure it's dealt with if it needs to be dealt with.
0: Understood. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And and so that that in a sense becomes your daily planner almost. It, it's like you you have these things. They're vexing your mind. You put them on paper. Maybe that helps you focus on the first priorities and, and what what can I do now? It's somewhat stoic in that respect.
1: Well, not so much the morning pages, Riley. The morning pages. You know, that's more the GTD practice. That the idea of having this inbox. Yeah, that's what I'm referring can- to. OK, yeah, the one. you. Yeah. Mentioning. So the morning pages is, is different because in morning pages, it's it's really not that. So your, your question really brings out something. It brings out a doubt in me that I really even know that I can actually tell you what's going on. <laughs> I don't know that I'm actually answering the question at this point, because I just know that there's this stuff, just junk and, And when I say junk, I have a garbage journal, too. When I need to take out the garbage, I have this journal that I go to where I can just write all the garbage that's in my head. Usually it's about someone else, or at least it purportedly it's about someone else. Usually it's about me struggling with myself in relationship with someone else. But the way it feels at the time is it's someone else, right? That's the struggle. And so you come to your garbage journal and you write all these things that you wouldn't want to say to somebody, and then you just. Burn it or delete it depending on how you're doing, it. or you keep it, but you make sure it's password protected and no one's ever going to read it.
0: So, let me ask you this you've mentioned now you've got the morning pages, you've got your evening journal, you've got a food journal that you mentioned to me pre show. Um, you've you've got others, right? <laughs> how does yeah, so well, let me just ask this question so. I mean, you work for yourself. Your time is structured differently. I know you do a lot of stuff late night when the kids are down and that's kind of your time. For someone who has a pretty hectic, busy life, um, how, what would be the highest priority if they were just getting started in journaling? Where would you counsel them to begin?
1: Well, that's a tough question. Let me come at it. Um, let me sort of circle around and come back to it a little. So first, I'll, I'll list out the journals that I'm using and sort of how I'm using them. And one thing I'll say up front is you don't have to spend a lot of time on this, right? The number of journals doesn't mean that there's, this, that there's a large amount of time spent necessarily. And I have spent time. There, there was a time recently when I was figuring out what I'm doing or what I wanted to do, and I spent several hours journaling every day. That's, that's no longer part of my reality. I can't do that anymore. And that had its purpose, but I would still keep the same number of journals because they have different purposes. So let me just kind of go through those. So I have my, my journal that I that was the first one I started with, which is this template I got from Michael Hyatt. And what I really liked about it, especially when I started out, I was doing this early in the morning. I was teaching at the university. Uh, my wife would take me to the bus stop. I'd get on the bus. I wasn't even really necessarily awake yet. I had my shower. I got dressed and everything, maybe even ate something, but I wasn't really fully awake yet. And so I could open up my iPad or my iPhone and I use day one to journal. There's always there's always writing on paper, too. And we can talk more about that. I've done both. And, you know, there's something to writing on paper. But I've chosen to use day one and I love the app. And so then I have this template and it just asks me what happened yesterday. Questions like that. Right. What happened yesterday? What's the one thing that you learned that you don't want to forget? What are what are you grateful for? What are you feeling right now? Uh, You know, how do you feel right now? What could make today better? What is the one thing that I have to get done today? This is obviously, with that last question, it's obviously an early morning practice, right? Later on, I added the morning pages before that, because the morning pages I told you is just about just wrestling with that monkey mind and getting that down on paper and out of your head. So morning pages, then that journal. The garbage journal is only as needed. And then I have this other journal where I read a lot, and so I wanted to write about what I'm reading every day. So whatever I read, and this one I was usually writing late at night, because as you said, I tend to read late at night after everyone's gone to bed. Even if I've read during the day, I'm still reading at night. So it's, it would be the last thing I'd do is to write down thoughts about what I've read that day. Of course, you could always write in the morning about what you read the day before. As a matter of fact, the, the Michael Hyatt template does ask, what did you read yesterday or something like that. right? So I, would just, I would write about what I read the day before, but here I wanted to go in further detail as I was preparing to write about what I read. And so this was a warm-up. It's part of processing what you read. You could do this about what you heard on a podcast. You could do this about what you learned in class. It's just this idea of rehearsing to yourself what you've learned. And then I have this feelings journal. I had some psychotherapy. Last year, I was introduced to this idea of writing down my feelings and the idea that feelings are one word. So, anything beyond one word is not feelings. This was something I wrestled with a little bit in the beginning. I found it really is true. You can add adjectives, but the feelings are one word. And so, I just keep a journal, which is any time of day. I mean, any time at all, just write down how am I feeling right now in one word. And then the point of that one, which is different from other of my journal writing, was to go back to it. I don't usually go back to the other stuff, maybe the reading stuff for material to write, but the rest of it, not really. And so this one was to go back to it once a week and to, to notice patterns. And then I'd talk about those patterns with my therapist, but just noticing those patterns, even if you're not in psychotherapy, even if you don't have a therapist to talk to, is helpful, just to find, you know, to find, here's how I'm feeling, these are the patterns that I'm seeing, that was really helpful. And then my newest one is my food journal, which is the idea is just to write down what I've had to eat, I started a whole 30 yesterday, and so I wanted to write down every day of the 30 days, and I probably keep this going beyond that, but at least for the 30 days, what have I had to eat each meal, and how did I feel before and after eating and in between meals, and so that's what that one's all about
0: so you've you've named four or five there at least for the beginner where would you counsel them to begin
1: i have two answers you know the first one would be morning pages i think it's a great way to start the day i think i think that's the one that i'd say to start with although it's possible to start where I started, I didn't know about morning pages. I started with this template journal, which again, for me, when it was hard to I'm new at this. I don't know how to journal, right? If if you're coming from that place, then the template is super helpful because you just open it up and you answer the questions. You're literally just answering questions. I didn't even have to be awake. I was on the bus at 5 30 in the morning doing this or 6 30 or whatever it was. So I think I think this is a good place to start.
0: Yeah. For someone like me, I I think I would probably prefer something at the end of the day that recaps at least some of what took place. I mean, like I said, I don't have much going on in the brain in the morning. It's, I'm pretty, I'm like a robot. You know, I just do my things and then I go to work. Uh, or every once in a while I'm fortunate and I head out on the lake at 6am and do a sunrise like this morning, which was awesome. But I I don't really have a whole lot vexing me. So something in the evening would be better. And I, I, I think for me, I would like A somewhat directed journal, again, either with questions or at least guidance for what I might put in section A or section B, um, so that it's somewhat directed and not just kind of me rambling about the various things I did and what time I did them. And and I I like the one that you mentioned that asks questions about how you feel, um, because I, especially if they're consistent questions, not just how do you feel, but how effective were you today or whatever. And, and taking that and being able to look at that over the course of weeks and measure those things would be, I think, helpful for me. I mean, and contemplative right. in a great, great uh, and important way.
1: Yeah, I think whether you do it morning or evening, it can be a matter of personal preference. The template that I have from Michael Hyatt, again, this is from an article which has changed titles apparently. It's on his blog, michaelhyatt.com. Hit the ground writing, how to be more consistent in your journaling, that has at least the updated template. You can do this either time. I don't remember how he set up the questions, but yeah, it starts with questions about yesterday and then questions about now and then questions about today. So those same things that you're talking about writing about in the evening, I would write about in the morning. And I think that's just a matter of time. You know, what when do I have time to sit down and do this? Not that I don't have time in the evening that's free, I'm just using it writing or sorry, reading. I'm just using that time. Reading and I'm writing first thing in the morning. I've just found that it's better for me, at least, to write in the morning and to read in the afternoon. And now the other thing is, I actually left out a journal. There's the five-minute journal. Now my template journal it does include this question of things that I'm grateful for, or at least it asks me, "What am I grateful for today?" And that's one question. But there's this five-minute journal where I have this app on my iPhone that every morning and night. It asks you the questions. So, what are three things you're grateful for today? and uh, and then there can be what are three things that you could be that that would make the day better? There are different ways that you can approach this, right? I'm not actually reading the questions from the app, but there is an app. I think it's freemium. It used to be free. now it's freemium. there There are other apps like it. And, and you can just take these questions and write them anywhere. There's even a book. Like if you want to get a notebook, you can do that. But the point is to notice. Again, this is about contemplation. It's, it's about to paying attention and noticing what there is to be grateful for. Because if you didn't ask yourself this question and answer it, then you might actually be ungrateful. You might actually not realize what you have to be grateful for. And by the way, sometimes I have to dig, I really have to dig, you know, maybe I'm ungrateful, maybe I don't realize how blessed I am, and when I have to put down not one thing, but three things, it's like writing down, I used to do this thing when I taught philosophy, where I'd ask my students to write down, and this was around Aristotle's book, um, the Nicomachean Ethics, books seven and eight, or eight and nine on friendship, and I was applying the ideas, as was taught to me by one of my teachers on to romantic love, the ideas of friendship from Aristotle, romantic love, and to, to be asked to write down 10 things that you most admire in a person is different than just one. You have to dig a little.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I can see that being very helpful. Um, it really
1: is, yeah, even just to come up with three things.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really causes you to think through it. And I like things that uh, put you in that mindset of really deep thinking.
1: Yeah. It, it can be really helpful for that. So again, these are all prompts. They're templates. You can buy journals on paper where they just have prompts. And so if you, don't feel, if you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know how to do this, you can just start with these prompts. I think that's a great place to start.
0: Okay. So we've described different types of journals and how someone might begin to start. I want to ask you something kind of personal and you can opt out if you want. With journaling, do you find that there's a different level of honesty and vulnerability than than you express when you're just around people or even just by yourself?
1: Absolutely. Riley, look, I mean, we're all trying to look good, myself included. I think I can safely say we're all trying to look good, you know, and looking good is inauthentic, Right. And we're all to some degree in that in that and to some level inauthentic in the, in the sense that we are trying to look good. um if this doesn't apply to you, I beg your pardon. Uh, no, I think that's you accurate are, right? and I, I, yeah,
0: the reason why I asked the question is because I had a suspicion that there's a there's a difference between that level of authenticity when you're journaling versus your interactions with other people.
1: Absolutely. And so it is a place to practice being more authentic. And it's a place that even if I'm not going, even if I'm not practicing because I want to, why wouldn't I want to be more authentic? Again, we there's fear, right? There's fear of rejection. There's fear of shame. There's fear of mostly rejection and shame, right? Shame, guilt, rejection, these kind of things. And some of these fears are unfounded. And some of them we all share, which makes it really silly, right? But there's this idea that, if I would express this, I would be ostracized or unloved or judged or whatever, right? So it's a place where I can express my deepest, most personal thoughts and nobody's going to read them. This is not, you know, we're, we're talking here to, the podcast is predominantly for an LDS audience. Everyone is welcome, right? But this is Latter-day Contemplation. There's this idea of journaling for family history. This is not what I'm doing. I don't want anyone ever to read what I'm doing. I'm processing my own thoughts. I'm getting to know myself. I'm dealing with issues that I have to deal with. And you know, once I'm gone, if somebody did read I guess that's no skin off my teeth. But that's a question. But that's to not ask, the intention. Because
0: if that's not the intention, I would assume you would straight up burn those things when they when they have no more use for you. Like if you're done, if you're at the end of your life, let's say, just hypothetically, and you know your time is coming, are you going to burn these journals or throw them away or whatever?
1: I love that question. That's so good. I have no idea. You know, the first thing that occurred to me in listening to you ask the question is because I, I don't really have an intention of reading this stuff, but I might get curious to later, right? And so I wouldn't just write it and delete it. So, for example, a lot of times I'll I'll actually write myself a reminder on a piece of paper to do something, and I'll immediately throw away the paper because it isn't the paper that's going to remind me; it's the act of writing it. And by the way, I could still forget, but you know, having the paper is not going to protect me from that because I might not see the paper. The question is, what kind of system do you have where you can where that paper's gonna end up in front of you when it needs to be? But for me, I just write things down. Especially that's something I do by hand. I'll get out a pen and a piece of paper, I'll write something down as a reminder to myself, and then I'll throw away the paper and I'll remember because I wrote it down. There's a muscle memory that's built into that practice. But yeah, when it comes to journaling. You know, I have no idea when I'm going to go. That's one thing. You, you painted a picture where I do know I might actually start reading at that point if I knew I was going. I don't know. You know, for me, a lot of it is just processing. But straight, It's not really like meant for anybody intent, to read it, not me or anybody else.
0: Okay, so your intent on writing these is strictly for your own benefit and, you know, possibly like indirectly for other people's benefit because it changes who you are and how you interact with them. But you don't intend sure. for anyone else to read these.
1: No, I don't intend for anybody else to read it. And by the way, so I've had people ask, so what if, what if somebody would read this? And by the way, could, that could be even the question could imply after you're dead, right? What if somebody would read this after I'm dead? What if it would lead them astray in some sense? And I think I get that question, but I really think it comes from a place of, of not really fully understanding that whatever is vexing you is vexing all of us. So sometimes I'm tempted, Riley. I really am. I've thought about doing it anonymously. I've thought about just coming out and doing it in my own name at ChristopherHurtado.com. Sometimes I just want to journal out loud and just lay it all out there. Because it would be such a relief, right? I mean, it's just like this idea that we've mentioned about your sin being shouted from the rooftop. There's a mercy in that. This is something where I think people read that and they think that it's going to be you're going to get yours or something like that. Whereas we've talked about it in the sense that once your trauma is spoken and it's out there, there's, it's no longer bottled up inside you and running your life. Because that which we, are, which we have in, you know, in the closet that we're, that we're bottling up is really running our lives. And so that's why I think one of the reasons why I think Joseph Campbell says that the treasure we seek is in the cave we fear to enter.
0: So, knowing that, so at least your intent is that people don't read these, but knowing that, do you still feel that this is an unburdening? You know, as you write these things down, knowing that no one, they're still locked in your little secret heart cave, but just happen to be on paper now. But is there a sense in which you feel like I'm unburdening myself?
1: I really do. And that's an excellent question. And the reason is because it points out the difference between. Because if you say, look, you said, I already know these things in my head, now they're just on paper, but nobody gets to read them, so how can that be an unburdening? There's there's a sense in which you're sort of asking that question, right? Yeah, that's exactly and for it. me the, Yeah, and so for me the answer is you think you know what you're dealing with in your head and you don't really know it until you get it down on paper. I I remember there's a question I heard too, you know, how do I my thoughts are are jumble how do i get this down on paper and the answer is your thoughts won't be a jumble on paper it's the process of writing the process of sitting down to write this out that's going to untangle that mess and i'm not saying that you're going to see on the if anybody would read it that you would see this this straight line but the but you you might see the unraveling and maybe it would i don't know if it would get to a straight line are we ever are any of us ever going to get to a straight line i don't know do you see what I mean? I do. But there is this jumble of thoughts that we have that we can begin to unravel and disentangle and figure out. And, and that's what writing is for, I think, it, because you get to think in slow motion.
0: I get the sense that when you write it down, you're, you've gone beyond rationalization at that point. You, 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 you used the phrase coming out earlier. Like, by yeah. putting it down, you're admitting it. It's, it's almost like a, an admission or a repentance. Um, That's right. You're essentially saying, this is me. I'm going to write it down and just say it out loud.
1: Even if I'm only admitting it to myself, it's still an admission. It's still a confession, right? Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Well, and there's, I mean, you call it a confession, and I love that because, you know, having having grown up in the Catholic tradition a little bit and knowing what confession entails and that it's meant to be a private process and and anonymous. This is an anonymous confession. It's really no different except that the hearer is a person versus a a journal. That's right. So you, you asked the question earlier, or you were asked the question earlier by a listener. Do you read it when and why not? Why or why not? Um, What would prompt you to read your thoughts that you've put down. The reason I ask that is it's almost like someone who goes on social media and writes some, you know, pithy, clever, maybe even a political thing, and and they reread it like eight times, you know, like they're really invested in their own thoughts. And if there's a conceit to that or... I'm not sure how to describe it, but do you plan on reading these and why would you or why would you not reread those?
1: Yeah, it's a good question too. So I have no intention of reading this, of, of reading what I wrote. I don't have that intention when I read it. I don't have or sorry, when I write it, I don't have that intention now when you're asking me. I don't I never had the idea that I was writing to read it later at any time when I was writing. So it really is a processing. Now, do I ever read it? Anyway, or, or could I see a possibility that that could happen? So, because I'm using day one, I do get these notifications, which I could probably turn off if they were bothering me, but they'll say, Hey, you have this entry from this day, however many years ago, same day as today, or something like that, right? And so, because of those notifications, I never thought, I'm going to go back and read. But this notification pops up and invites you to read. This is a lot like on Facebook when you have these Facebook memories, right? Mm-hmm. You have this. However many years ago today you posted this. And so I do get curious because the software is showing it to me. I'll look at it. But for the most part, I don't find it very interesting. I don't find it very interesting. and I find it hard to believe that anybody else could. Now, it could be that it might be intensely interesting for my children after I'm gone if they had any way to get to it. I, I hope they don't and and maybe that's selfish and maybe i need to rethink that maybe between now and the time i die i will but right now i'm just trying to deal with life and again you can see how that might be useful for your children or for someone else and i've even again thought about writing it out out loud in public maybe even publishing a book or something a blog i don't know both but for the most part where i am right now is i'm writing for myself and i'm not going to share it with anybody and by the way. My wife told me to do this, okay? My wife told me, journal, write for yourself, because she knew I wanted to write, meaning not just journal, but to write. And so she said, start by writing for yourself, for no one to read. And you can do that with things other than your personal feelings, and I've done that a lot, and I've done that a lot through my reading journal, right? But this is but we're mostly talking about, the contemplative practice, even though I would include the reading journal as a contemplative practice because you're noticing what you learned and what you didn't learn. Again, you may think you understood what you read, but when you have to articulate it, that's when you really find out. That's when you'll really notice if you really got it. But she told me, write for yourself. It's for no one else to read. And she knew that it would be a benefit to me because she's someone who's who's done this a lot longer than I have, journaling. Well, we should have brought her
0: on for an interview.
1: It's not a bad idea.
0: Next time. Next time. So let me ask you a question, kind of along those same lines. We've used the term unburdening or let's let's call it an unpacking of, of various times or feelings or whatever. Is there is that really the gist of it, or is there also something that's inherently creative about it? Like when you let me ask it this way. Have you ever had journal entries where you thought, I, I want this to sound like prose?
1: Okay, yeah, that's a really good question. Let me back up first, because I think I left one earlier question unanswered. At least I didn't completely answer it. I did say myself that I would say, you know, I would answer the question whether I could think of a time that I might change my mind and read what I wrote. I can imagine, and this is based on what I've seen others go through in my own family. I can imagine some time where something, some inflection point might happen in my life, whether someone passes whether, God forbid, I would get divorced. You know, these kind of inflection points in life, I can see going back at that. And I don't have any intention or plan to, but I can understand why I might. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
0: And so for that yeah. reason, that, that might not be the only reason, but that's at least one reason why you would keep these journals around rather than writing and then ditching them.
1: Exactly. That, that answers that part of the question too, because you did ask that. So going back to your other question about Creativity in in my writing and my journal and am I, you know, have I ever thought about making this sound good or whatever? The the truth is, Riley, personally, I often think about how what I write sounds. So again, I I am a writer and I am doing this as part of my writing practice too, and so this is a place to practice writing. You know, when I think about my wife and why she asked me to do this, she she grew up writing in journals, lots of them and became an author. You know, she became a children's book author out of this. And so there is a sense in which I am intentionally warming up as a writer by doing this journaling. That's another part of my practice. And so there's that on the one hand. On the other hand, you know, I actually have this, I, I, this isn't diagnosed and I'm not a psychotherapist, but I have this OCD-like tendency. I'll just say OCD-like. How's that? I have this OCD-like tendency to care, if not to say, not to say worry, but to care about how long sentences are or you're a you grammar know, how, Nazi, let's just say it. Well, there's that's that's another <laughs> issue altogether. That's another issue altogether. But I also have this aesthetic there's a part of my own experience of myself moving through the world which is aesthetic. You and I have talked about this a lot, right? We, we're both interested in art and art history. So there's a part of me that can't help but at least notice if I use rhetorical features in my writing. And, you know, they come from my reading too, right? So if there's assonance, maybe I didn't intend it, but I'm at least going to notice it. And sometimes I may, I may even intend it. And so that can, but that can be still part of a contemplative practice of, again, noticing who I am, and noticing how I feel, or how I see, or how I experience the world. And so that aesthetic experience of the world is very much part of my being, and that's expressed in my writing, even if nobody's going to read it.
0: Well, there's something very satisfying for me personally in a well-crafted sentence.
1: I get you. Something that conveys
0: meaning in as few words as possible, but really gets to the heart of it, or even brings out some some creative or uh, very unique aspect of whatever it is you're questioning. Those sorts of questions, I love those. I love reading them. I love writing them. I look for them. And, you know, I teach gospel doctrine at uh, my local ward. And one of the things I spend just as much time on as I do my study of scriptures and whatnot is coming up with well-crafted questions that cause other people to think And I think I do a decent job at that, but if there's, I might not be great about other parts of the presentation when I'm teaching a lesson or, you know, uh, leading a discussion, so to speak, but I really take pride in my questions.
1: Well, you've done a good job here on the podcast, Riley.
0: I appreciate it. So back to journaling.
1: It's really, Riley, it's really the questions that count, you know? I don't know what else it is. I mean, I, I, I do have a sense of what is your job as the gospel doctrine instructor, but I think that you're, you're focused on the most important part, which is to, to ask the questions that make people think, you know, I'm a trained philosopher, and it's, it's all about questions. And the better the questions, the better the exploration, right? The better the contemplation.
0: Yeah, and I always have to be careful not to ask questions that lead people into my own opinion about things, which is tough. It's tough because I mean, there's something gratifying there for my own pride when someone arrives at the same conclusion I do. But if they only get there as a result of my question, that's just a form of manipulation. So I'm really trying to ask questions that cause people to think about it and come up with their own ideas about a question, which adds, you know, color and diversity to the discussion.
1: Wow, that's really insightful, Riley.
0: So let me tell you a little bit about my experience in journaling. Um, And I want to say, too, that I don't completely write off social media as a form of journaling. Um, You know, there's this sense in which it's been identified by a lot of people that, that someone who's going into social media to post about their own life will most likely post only the most positive spin on their life or the best parts of their life or, you know, that those, those things that are exciting or make them seem like they're just, you know, head and shoulders above other people. And I get that. I totally get that. I've come across enough posts, though, where people have been vulnerable in unburdening and being very truthful about who they are and what they might be struggling with in an attempt to elicit feedback and perhaps counsel from their friends and family and whoever they're connected to. So I actually see it's sort of like an interactive form of journaling, but I do see that social media has that benefit as well. But beyond social media, well maybe would you like to respond to that at all before I go on?
1: I, I do have some thoughts about that. I, I can see your point, and yet the cynic in me doubts that most people will get, will get beyond looking good, even in sharing what's not good. Does that make sense? I mean, so there's, I, I think and, and I know,
0: most people is most people. And you can choose yeah. to pay attention to most people or you can, you know, interact with the people right. that you want to interact with. So,
1: Sure. So, you know, and there is a movement, I think is a really good thing, that there's there's a movement toward greater vulnerability. And I think, you know, someone who comes to mind who's been at the forefront of this movement is Brene Brown. Are you familiar yes. with her and her work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I admire that. And again, she's one of the ones, if there's anything outside of me that it's, that's incentivized me to be more open, to, to consider to actually sharing all of this, you know, this idea of just letting it all hang out, right? Putting it online it was that that would be her part of it comes from inside me part of it comes from from her from her sharing her own experience and being vulnerable herself i know that it's really powerful and i know that even when even as a writer even when you aren't sharing necessarily my deepest darkest secrets right anytime you write when it is for public consumption right when you are publishing it when you're sharing it that you're still putting your finger on something about the human experience that others are going to relate to, or they wouldn't read it, right? So there really is, there, there's often this experience that we have as readers of, that's exactly how I feel, and yet I could not have put my finger on it. I couldn't put it into the words the way that author did, and now that's, now I have this expression that didn't come from me, but that came from a fellow human being of that particular part of my human experience.
0: Yeah, it's all relational. And I like that you brought up that there is this movement, because I've seen the same thing of people that have been been more vulnerable and truthful and authentic with how they present themselves to the outside world. And I, I think actually a big part of that might just swing back around to the realization that everyone's having, that again, as you said, most of the people out there are putting stuff online that doesn't represent their whole self. And if you don't present the whole self, then inherently you're inauthentic.
1: Yeah, there's that. And then there's the realization that I hope we're all coming to slowly but surely that everyone else is dealing with the same stuff I'm dealing with. I mean, as, you know, as, um, was it Erasmus, Riley, that said, uh, no, as Terrence said, I am human nothing human is alien to me. All parts of the human experience are relatable for me because I'm human. And so we all share in this experience of being human. And I just can't, I just can't imagine how cool it would be. It it doesn't, it doesn't make me want to go first, but how cool would it be if we all would just share openly, completely openly? And I can see that, you know, people's feelings might get hurt. I don't know. It's, do you want to say something about that?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that there's as great a benefit to complete transparency as there is to some, some level of discretion and holding back. I, 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 well, think, okay. I think the latter is probably better. <laughs> Maybe
1: that helps us get back on topic. Maybe that's one of the functions and benefits of journaling. Right? There, there is a place where you can express yourself, because we're talking about expressing ourselves. We don't have to express ourselves to other people necessarily, but the idea is that we do need to get it out of us, right? This, this idea of expression, right? If we go to, I think it helps if we look at the French, rather, because they use the same verb, exprimer, to express oneself as to squeeze a lemon. Right. If you're squeezing a lemon to make lemonade, Mm -hmm. that's the same word. Right. Express. And in fact, the Italian espresso, which is done with coffee, is the same idea. Right. Right. I think it's the same idea. It's pressing. So the idea is to really get it out. And so you don't have to get it out where it's going to hurt other people. Like my garbage journal. When I take out the garbage. Hopefully I'm doing it in my garbage journal. I've been guilty of taking out the garbage without going to my garbage journal. I think the garbage journal is a better place for it. And with that, I think I'm agreeing with you and answering my own question. It's probably best not to share everything.
0: So my other experience with journaling is is kind of limited, limited to what I know are going to be special family moments. So... um we go on a trip to Italy with my two oldest kids a few years back. Uh my daughter was a year removed or a year prior to her graduation and we kinda knew this is a last big hurrah for us and her and before she goes off to be an adult. And my son at the time was fifteen or sixteen, I think he was fifteen. And we decided to bring him along with us. And we're gonna do this with all of our six kids at some point or another is bring them on kind of a, a last hurrah trip, right? Where we as parents get to spend quality time with them individually, or maybe as a pair, like we did with our two oldest. Nevertheless, uh, we were, we were there for a week and just did the basics. You know, we we went to Rome and and then went out to Tivoli and, um, saw some of the, the Appian way with the countryside and whatnot. But, um, it was just a great experience to connect with them and knowing that it was going to be that. And also wanting my kids to remember that experience because they're not, you know, they're 15 and 16, they're just not big on journaling, let's be honest. And, so I wrote very detailed accounts. So these are just historical accounts, essentially, from my point of view of what, what we did, what was fun, what wasn't fun, how it felt, the taste, the smells, the sights, all that stuff, right? So I've done that on essentially every family trip that we've gone on. And we've been on quite a few. And I love going back and rereading those because I, I see things in there that I had forgotten. And so that, that's just kind of a fun way to journal. But that's completely different than what you're talking about. And so I have extremely limited experience with what you're talking about. However, I have found that in just writing historical journals about things that happened in my life, it causes me to focus on the things that are most important and know that these are things I want to remember or I want posterity to have. And so I've also isolated other incidents throughout my life that I didn't journal necessarily at the time. But going forward 20 years later, I'm like, you know what? I really should write about that experience. And so that, that's, again, that's my kind of journaling. That's all I've done. And I know that there's so many different other brands out there, as you've described, and how important those are to do and the different benefits they offer. But that's, that's my limited experience with it.
1: You know, your experience falls very much, I think, in the vein of what I think Latter-day Saints would think of as journaling, right? This idea of family history. This is a personal history that then becomes part of a family history. And it's very much intended by you while writing it for your family to read. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I tend to write, um, in addition to all this templated stuff that I do, I do tend to write when it comes to trips, vacations, or maybe when I'm just, I've fallen off the wagon and I haven't been writing, then I'll just write something that's more of a longer narrative. What's been going on, right? Um, That kind of thing. Yeah. You know, something else that, that we should probably mention here that hasn't come up is this idea, again, because if we're, t- if we're talking about contemplation, you look at, if you think about the different journals that I'm keeping, it, it seems like a lot, right? But again, you, don't, you can spend as much or as little time on each one as you want. I mean, what is this, the food journal? That's three times a day you're going to write something down. The feelings journal, whenever you feel like writing down how you feel or when you notice how you feel, or maybe keeping that for a while helps you to notice how you feel because you weren't thinking about it at all. The daily template one, it has a little bit more, it does have a little bit of that aspect of what's going on in my life, but it also asks those questions about what I need to get done and what, um, how I'm feeling, and what I'm grateful for. The gratitude journal is obviously about experiencing gratitude it's not necessarily about having a record of what you're grateful for it's really about experiencing gratitude and because being grateful makes one happier it just does noticing what there is to be thankful for it helps us to focus on the positive but there's something else that we could talk about which is when i think for example about people like like Tim Ferriss, who I also, he's the one I learned about uh, Morning Pages from. It's from Julia Cameron, but I learned it through Tim Ferriss. When I think about people like Thomas Jefferson that are maybe even hypergraphic, you know, Thomas Jefferson is someone who wrote down every day what the weather was like. He wrote down his observations about the plants that he was grafting and, and the garden that he was creating and whatever was going on, his expenses when I travel, especially when I travel long term, I, I tend to do some long term traveling. Where I'll, I'll go live. I've gone and lived in the Middle East for a couple of times in Jordan and Syria for a, a few months, and I'll keep a daily. It's again, it's part of that travel log idea. What what I've done on this trip, and keep a, a detailed uh, detailed uh, record of all my expenses. And those expensive. It's not so much for the for the the ledger or financial aspect of it. It's just part of showing what, what were the experiences, right. That I went through. Although when it comes to sharing, you know, if you're going to share a travel log, it really helps to know people want to know, like, what is it, what's it going to cost me to do this? What, you know, if I do this or that, what's that cost? This is part of it too. So I I do have that in mind too, as I've, as I've shared my own travel experiences with others, it's nice to, and and as a matter of fact, I lost one and I can't tell you how grievous it's been to me to have lost that particular journal from my trip and from my experience living in Syria in the summer of 2010, I believe it was. So there's that too, right? There's just paying attention to things and writing them down, all kinds of things, keeping a record of, it can be beneficial to your health, meaning not, we've been talking about the, the, the mental health benefits, but just having a record of your own health can be really helpful when, it come, when something goes wrong and you go to the doctor and they say, well, how long has this been going on? Or what, what other symptoms have you had? Or use you your self-notice and you think, wait a minute, I'm noticing that I have this and I already had that and I wrote down this. And you can start to see a picture that you might not remember if you didn't keep a written record.
0: So, Chris, I'm going to go through a couple of questions submitted by a listener, and these are ones that I thought, out of the many that we received, I, I, I thought they were the most interesting. So I'm going to ask this. How do I trust my own thoughts, memory, and writing when journaling? Or does I'm it matter? Sure how does that to, even matter? I'm not sure
1: how to how to answer that because I'm not sure what, what it's asking. Because if it's – try, I'll try to answer – At least I think I can see two senses in which this question could have been intended, right? One is, do I trust what I remember that I'm writing down? To write it down and say, yeah, this is what happened. And the other is, do I trust what I wrote down when I read it later? And then again, these kind of actually collapse. And I think this is a really good question. Because I think the reality is, what we write down is our subjective experience of reality. It's not reality itself. And so the, the preoccupation of this question, right, is this idea of how will I know that I'm getting it right, that, that this really is real reality. And the answer is you can't and you won't and it isn't, right, because it's just your experience of reality. And so that, I think that would be my answer to that question. And so, but, but it is your experience, and your experience matters. And as a matter of fact, if you did go back and read later, and I've, I know that Shiloh has talked about this, I think he's talked about it on the Latter-day Contemplation podcast, his experience of going back and reading his journal of his spiritual experiences, whatever experience you do have, you write it down, it is the experience you had, and you might find reading it later that your interpretation of that experience has changed. And, and it can help you to have both Your current interpretation and your past interpretation to compare—that's again contemplation, right? Noticing. Well, I like that idea a
0: lot because I could see if I were to have written things down, you know, spiritual experiences as you mentioned from 15 years ago, I would I would maybe read those now, maybe not with cynicism, but with more of a critical eye. Like how much of that was influenced by my surroundings, uh, the people who were you know teaching me when I was learning basics, Uh, you know, 20 years ago, whatever, I guess it's been longer, it's been 24 years since I joined the church, you know, towards the beginning, a lot of what I was learning was coming from farms books. I was devouring those things. So Hugh Nibley was my guy, and I spent a lot of time reading him. So I, I wonder, like, if I were to read what I might have written down at that time, how much of it might have been influenced by my surroundings. And in a sense, it doesn't matter. But in another sense, it—you look at it and you say, "Wow, here's a here's a uh, here's a measuring stick for how much I've changed," and you can evaluate in what ways you've changed for the positive or the, or the negative.
1: Yeah, and again, I can imagine someone reading about their past experience and it bolstering their testimony. I can imagine it going the other way. I can imagine someone going through a divorce or a um, or death uh of a loved one and just revisiting right the experience of those of the of that marriage the experience of that person that loved one the experience of one's own thoughts and feelings and and to be able to realize too as you as you've pointed out that we all have an intellectual development just like we have a faith development those things are going to show up and it could be useful to go back and read i just i haven't gotten that far if i if I will do that, I don't see. I, I can see the possibility of it. I can see the potential usefulness of it. But when I'm writing, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about what I'm dealing with right now and processing on paper.
0: Yeah, I've got a funky kind of thought about this. So yeah, there's this whole thing about at the judgment, the literal you know last judgment, that the book of life will be opened up to you and they will read from your life and you know you'll see end to end or beginning to end what your life was all about, all the things you did. And, you know, there's this uh, sort of concocted notion that we're, we're going to be all, you know, humbled or humiliated or gladdened or whatever by that experience. I wonder if journaling almost doesn't accomplish the same thing, except that it's somewhat subjective because we got all these filters and lenses. And then there's this book of life that is an objective truth that we can compare to that. I just think, you know, even to think through that, is just kind of a contemplative exercise that's interesting to me.
1: You might be catching a glimpse of the vision I've been presenting. <laughs> you know, it really is. I mean, th- this is the idea, Riley, the idea of being able to to examine your life. You know, I, I think of Socrates' words, the examined life is, the unexamined life, excuse me, is not worth living. This is a life that's examined. It's a life that's intentional. It's a life that's on purpose, one that is done with this kind of, introspection, right? And by the way, you know, when I say that, I've gone through periods, I, I I, I, go through periods of experiments in intentional living. So I may not necessarily always journal in the same way and with the same intensity and spend the same amount of time. I mentioned having spent several hours a day on it at, at one point earlier this year, and or was it last year? I don't know, but then not doing it in the same way now. And, you know, I've gone through Reading this many books, or reading that many books, or doing it this way, or doing it that way, writing in this way and that—they're experiments in intentional living. And I think, if anything, you know, I'd like to encourage anyone uh, listening to to try this out, right? To try it out as an experiment in intentional living. Just give it a try.
0: Well, I think we spoke about journaling just very briefly when we were going through our episode of the The different ways that people could participate in contemplation. I think that episode was called "What Is Contemplation," and back then I think I I made kind of a off the cuff um, remark that hey I, I'm going to start doing this. This is a good idea, but I didn't do it. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: wait, are you human? Yeah, I know. What's going on here? Well,
0: we've now dedicated a whole episode to this, and it would be super lame if I didn't even give it a try. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a try, but I, I'm gonna find before I do that, I want to find a platform that I think works best for me and what I hope to accomplish or get out of it, or you know, I want it to be beneficial in many ways. And so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some investigation. That, that's the promise I make. Let's... Not that I'm actually gonna write anything, but I'm gonna investigate. There you go. Sure.
1: let's. You know, that makes me think of something that we haven't gotten into. I mentioned the idea of writing on paper versus writing on the computer. And some people have this question, right? What is better? What should I do? Let me just say this. First of all, there is a huge benefit to writing on paper. And it's slower than typing. And this is a feature, not a bug. And I would love to do it. And there is no way I'm ever going to write anything down on paper because I don't want anybody to read it. I just don't. What would I do with it? I don't have a safe. Maybe if I had a safe, I don't know. I just would rather. my. And then, you know, it's funny because this is all in the cloud, right? It's it's synced between my devices. It is on my device that's password protected. I could also add password protection to the app itself. I don't think I did because the app, the the devices themselves are password protected. And, you know, the NSA is probably reading it. And it probably doesn't matter if anybody read it. And who knows if anybody would even read very far into it, because it's probably not that interesting on the one hand. On the other hand, maybe it would be. But again, we are all experiencing what it is to be human together. And so nothing human is alien to any of us because we're human. But there is something to writing on paper. It is. And just like it's just like taking the time to write in my journal in day one and to having to, to sit down and type where you thought, how do you write all these journals? Right. I mean, and I did admit that I did this for three or four hours a day at one point, but even just to spend a few minutes, that's taking time out to contemplate, right, to, to think about your thoughts, to put them down on paper. And that's that's a worthwhile practice. So, yes, it takes time how much time is up to you. But spending a little time is worth it. There's a benefit to it. There's a benefit in clarity, and peace, in noticing. And you can even, there's something else you asked me, Riley, about creativity in writing. It was hinted at in the Jordan Peterson program that I mentioned about writing your own life, which may be different from the one you first mentioned. And the idea is, I actually do, I don't just rehearse the past or even the present in my writing, in my journal. I often write about my ideas, ideas that I might develop. And actually I have a notebook and I didn't even think to mention this before because it's not, I don't think of it as a journal. It's not in day one, but I have my idea notebook and that's part of my, I can't say hypergraphia because I don't really have hypergraphia, but I try to, I just, I just think it's beneficial. What if I were to write everything down? If it weren't taking up all my time, which I realize is a concern, it would be beneficial to have a record. And so I do keep an idea notebook, and any time I have an idea, I write it in that notebook. And I, I used to do that. Uh, I used to carry a, a pocket notebook. I used to do it on a paper. Then came the, the, um, the Palm Pilot. Then came the iPhone. And so I'm using Evernote now. But I do still carry a notebook with me, and I sometimes write on paper just for the sake of writing on paper. Sometimes when I draft an article or something, something I'm writing, paper, I'll sit down and write in a notebook, and it's funny how you sit down and you think, I'm going to write about this subject, and this is going to be an article, and you write, and you turn the page, and you keep writing, and I'm using a fountain pen, and I love it, and, it's, and there's a tactile experience to this, and it's, you're thinking on paper. You know, the brand of the notebook I use is German, and it has a tagline, That I've seen in German even here in the States at the store with these notebooks and it says Denken mit der Hand. Think with your hand. Mm -hmm. You see that's what it's about. So there is a thinking that happens with hand. Now I don't discount the possibility of this happening somewhat in uh, typing or I would be a hypocrite or a liar or something for all I've said about journaling and I'm doing it that way. But I think that as much as that takes time and you have to stop and notice and write, doing it on paper is even slower. And again, this is not a bug. It's a feature. And there's something to that.
0: Well, not yeah, to I mean, make sat down, not to make light of that at all, but you could slow down a lot of things. I mean, you could slow down journaling to the point where you're cutting letters out of a newspaper like a serial killer. But the, what you're talking about in slowing it down is different than just doing something slower. There's a purpose to doing it slower in this case that you're trying to pinpoint, right? That's right. And and elucidate that for us. Like, why slow it down?
1: Because... We cannot write as fast as we can think, and we tend to think really fast, and especially that monkey mind. It's just going, it's just swinging from one branch to another. And is there even really a complete thought we're dealing with here? Or is it just going from thought to thought to thought? That's what the monkey mind is doing, right? So, to actually take time to think about what you're thinking about, to actually write it down, even typing, is going to be beneficial. And to actually do it by hand is going to be even more beneficial because you have to think through what you're going to say or what you're going to write before you write it down. You can't just write down a stream of consciousness. And so there's, an, there's, a, there's a noticing that has to happen. There's this contemplative practice. There's a thinking about what you're thinking about. It's back to that question of my thoughts are a jumble in my head. How can I How can I possibly do this? And the answer is it's the doing that unravels the jumble, right? This is how it happens. It's the actual, it's taking the time to write and taking the, and taking your time doing it, which again is going to be, you're going to take more time in doing it on paper than you would by typing. But either way, you're taking time to unravel the jumble of thoughts in your head and to lay them out on paper, so to speak, whether that's on paper or on the screen.
0: Well, I see a benefit to that. That's, that's Maybe a more contemplative way to do things, but I also see, I do see a benefit in the stream of consciousness typewriting as well. Things might come out that you hadn't even intended, but nevertheless, they're buried somewhere in the subconscious. I mean, I think uh, you read something like William Faulkner or James Joyce, some of those authors that use those stream of consciousness techniques that leave things open for interpretation about what the narrator or author or characters are thinking that can be interesting as well.
1: I completely agree with you. Let me clarify. So this is, you've just talked about what is morning pages. That's exactly what morning pages is. It's a stream of consciousness. What I meant to say is that you can't really, you can't really fully capture your stream of consciousness. You can use the stream of consciousness writing technique, but that's not really your stream of consciousness. Even, Even recording something by audio would be closer to it, but it still wouldn't be it, right? Because there's just so much going on in your head, and that's noticing that. That's something you'll notice as you put it that way. That's something you'll notice as you go through this practice, if you decide to take it on.
0: Well, I think we've identified some great ideas for people and reasons to begin a journaling practice to augment and help them develop their overall contemplative practice. And like I said, my commitment at least is is to identify a platform that I think is going to be most beneficial for me. But I hope our listeners that are considering this might share their feedback on what their commitments are or what they've might what they benefited from in terms of doing this themselves or, or beginning this practice. I, I do see the benefit in it, and I appreciate all the ways in which you've explained what, what it's done for you. Obviously, you have a pretty extensive practice at this moment, and and it's doing a lot for you, so I appreciate your experience there and sharing that with us, Chris. And is there anything else you want to share with the listeners about about uh, journaling overall?
1: No, just just to say, I appreciate the opportunity to share. I, it has been a tremendous benefit for me. I'd like to thank my wife for suggesting it and to suggest to, to the listener that you try it, that you, you might get a lot out of it. I have.
0: Well, with that, we appreciate all of our listeners joining us. And I'm Riley Risto. And I'm Christopher Hurtado. Have a great week, everyone.